Hello and welcome to Thinking Outside the Box with me, Tim Box. And me, Britt Box. We talk about all things mental health, emotional well-being and how to navigate your mind in these strange times. Quick disclaimer, we're not doctors, so don't confuse any of our advice for medical advice. And even though we do try and approach this with a slightly more light-hearted outlook, we do take this stuff seriously. Don't think we don't. Um, but we come at it from a slightly different angle and hence thinking outside the box. So, Brit, episode 11. It is indeed. Awesome stuff. Congratulations to us again. Uh, <laughs> the the listeners may remember from the last episode, we said after 10 episodes, we were going to upgrade our podcasting gear. Um, we didn't. This has not happened. Um, I think as I sit here, though, I can see not only um, a new arcade machine, but also uh, some new lounge fly bags. So we. I think we know where the money went. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we squirrelled it away nicely and then spent it on other ni- things. Nice things for ourselves. <laughs> um, but I think you know. Hopefully, you can hear us okay. Uh, right. The title of this one, then, we are calling this one "Wisdom from Our Past Selves." Ooh. Ooh. And not like in a multiverse kind of way, just like the lives that we've lived before, how we got here, and what we learned. Yeah, because we did the wisdom from our parents, didn't we? Yes. And then we became sort of acutely aware. There's lots of other things we've learned that we value along the way. Um, and we picked them up from various experiences, I suppose, things we went through. Yeah, different jobs, different sort of lives that we used to lead. And um, and yeah, it's funny when, when I was writing the notes for this, because I've just picked out a couple of things. Because me personally... I've had a lot of jobs over yeah. the years. I've had a lot of jobs. My my CV used to be so long that I would just have to cherry pick things. And I'd like to point out, it's not that I, I got fired everywhere I went. I, I don't think I've ever been fired, actually. I just um, I just got bored really, really easily and mm-hmm. had to move on and had to do different things. And in fact, me doing my current whatever it is that I'm doing, my sort of self-employed Mm-hmm. Kind of running about baking, kind of doing other things. This has been going on for ten years. This is the longest I've ever done something. Amazing. Normally, it's uh, it's several months. And what's quite funny is that um, a few years back, I spoke to someone I'd not spoken to in a very long time, and they said, um, "Oh, I thought you'd have given all that up by now." <laughs> <laughs> they knew you so well. Yeah. So there we go. But there we go. But that, that illustrates the point, doesn't it? We do evolve. You know, we do grow, and we do um, we become hopefully better versions of ourselves as we go through life so yeah. there's but there's certain moments when we learn this stuff and by the way I suppose as we should say if you've looked at the title of this podcast wisdom from our past selves and you're thinking oh wow we're going to be talking past lives um we are not going to be talking past lives we're going to talk about this life um I should say <laughs> actually, different versions of this life talking about things we used to do mm. I used to perform past life regression I know for you people. Did. and I find it hilarious because I know that you've never believed in it so really <laughs> you are a con man well okay now that's a harsh <laughs> word I feel <laughs> I'm not going to list former profession con man but here's the thing so obviously you may know I'm a hypnotist and as part of my training I got taught how to do past life regression and as Britt rightly points out this is not in my actual belief system, although I'm not knocking people who do believe in it. Absolutely. I don't know. And I think that's the point of it. I mean, I'm fairly certain I was a member of Anne Boleyn's court at one point or another. But, you know, there we go. That's... What's tipping you off about that? Is there <laughs> there's something, you, your affinity with the, the clothing the of the period? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you like the houses. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is the thing. So I the reason I stopped doing it 
was because it was getting increasingly embarrassing me at the start of each session saying, by the way, I should say, I don't believe in this. <laughs> but <laughs> and yet gonna... people still booked you. I well, find it bizarre. I, I did it very much as an exploration of the subconscious, yes, of if course. you like. So some people would come because they believe in past lives. Some people would want to have the experience. Yeah. But anyway, we're not talking about past lives. It's, no. we're, gonna, we're not going to become... The old you know, versions of who we used to be. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and things we've, we've learned as we've gone along. So we very much base this on former professions, as you say, haven't yes. we? Uh, not not necessarily like experiences or things that happened to us, but things we actively did and pursued as a profession. Yeah, and things that we learned from it. So, for example, um, my first ever job, uh, because if you've listened to episode uh, three, I believe, which is about my story with depression and my sort of uh, my life story, if you will, um, then you'll know I had to quit school at 16 um, and get a job and support myself because no one else was around to do it for me. I had to just live by myself and what have you and the real hard thing is is that getting a job when you're 16 you don't have a bank account you don't have any experience and you've not even got qualifications because I'm not sure my GCSEs had come through at that time mm. was really quite hard mm. um and you didn't, you didn't even have a Chapman Alliance building society account I had as nothing I had, I had okay. nothing and um and I just had to just get a job um that was cash in hand that wouldn't ask too many questions I suppose mm. is the best way to put it so I got my first ever job was in a double glazing call centre oh that sounds soul destroying <laughs> yeah, so was... I can only apologize if you lived in the Kent area in 2006 you may have got a phone call from me who knows um was it an enthusiastic phone call or was not. it a and here's, here's the funny life. thing is I hate talking on the phone like mm. Tim will know this he will watch me look at my phone when it's ringing wait until it has stopped ringing and then Google the number rather yeah. than answer it or do that thing. Also, if any of my friends are listening to this and you've ever received a text from me that just says, oh, hi, sorry, I missed your call. I've never missed your call. I've watched your call ring out because I hate talking on the phone that much. <laughs> like I will, wow. I will intentionally. Wish. I'll take your calls, babe. But oh, thanks. Darling. Yeah. I don't mind talking on the phone that. to you because I can just, I can just be quiet on being like, yeah. So and normally you're taking my call because we've lost each other in the shops. Yeah, exactly. That's the only reason, really. That's the only time we're away from each other. <laughs> so I did that for a brief period. And the reason I'm, I'm just carrying on is because I want to lump these first two into one. And then I'll tell okay. you what they both taught me. Okay. So I, I wasn't at that job for very long. <laughs> I was there long enough to basically um, get some ID, get a bank account, and then actually apply for for. A, I say a proper job, but bear with me. Um, and then the very next one I got was working in the sales department. So essentially like another call center for a building directory website. So what my job was, was to call people like plumbers, like okay. um, building people, scaffolders, all the like, and try and get them to give us money to advertise on our building website. Okay, so sales again. Sales again. But what I will say as well is this was before... God, I'm so old. This was before like internet directories mm. were as big as they are today. So the amount of times I would just get men on the phone um, telling me that they advertise in the yellow pages and that's all they needed to do and was Oh, yeah, me. yeah, yeah. So it was kind of that time. It was kind of, we don't need to advertise on the internet because we have the yellow pages. What year was this? 2000 and I'm going to say six, seven. 
I'm just thinking, was I a plumber at that time? <laughs> I think you might have been. We might have talked, or you might have talked to my dad. <laughs> might have talked to your dad. Oh I'm my sure. God, wouldn't it be amazing if we just discovered a conversation we had before we met each other? Knowing your dad, it would never be a long conversation. I don't think it, he it doesn't trust the internet absolutely. now, I don't think he trusted it then. No. Um, so, so I worked at both of these places, and they were essentially doing the same thing. I could get both without any real experience um, and just kind of roll with it, because mm. I've, fun fact, I've never gone for a job interview and not got the job. So where I say I've had so many jobs, yeah. I know how to talk to people when I'm in a room with them. I know how to, I'm how to charm people. You're I'm, charming, oh, baby. Of course charming. you got the job. I'm princess charming <laughs> over here. Um, so but I got these jobs and I didn't want to do them. You know, it's that mm. classic question in an interview. What motivated you to, to get this job? I needed money. <laughs> oh, it, it wasn't. I, I care passionately about double glazing. Absolutely not. You know, no. and the, amount, the amount of times I'd have, I'd have, I'd leave messages for people and they'd call me back, and uh, these men down the phone would be like, "Can I speak to a man there?" and wouldn't want to talk to me because I was a woman. So you know. Uh, so is that what you learned from these jobs? Was your hatred of uh, misogyny? Yeah. Well, I, I've got here. <laughs> so both taught me that money is not a motivator for me. So both of these jobs were, especially the second one, were very commission based. Yeah. And the 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 harder you you know you went at people the the more likely you were to get a large commission based bonus mm. and i learned very early on even though i got these jobs because i needed money to support myself yeah money as just like a, oh here's some money yeah isn't it isn't a motivator for me it doesn't no. make me work harder it doesn't no. make me want to do things and i used to think there was something wrong with me because of that because yeah. you know i'd see all these other people in the sales office you know smashing their targets ringing the bell that we had in the office when oh like, you had a bell in the, office. Bell in the amazing. office amazing um we had lots of bells in that office but really anyway that was what the reference was <laughs> Anyway, I don't know if we'll censor that. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but there was a lot of people in there who like were very sales motivated, um, and I I underperformed on my sales targets every month, um, and mm. I was just like, I am not doing well at this. No. Um, and then I so I learned I'm not a pushy salesperson. Um, yeah. I learned that I care deeply what people think, even if it's just some stranger on the other end of the phone. And I learned that I don't handle rejection very well. Wow, that's a. That's I learned all of that. I learned as soon as someone said no, like we were taught, we had like this bit of paper that we had to basically, if they said no, here's what you could say. You follow the little flow chart. You do all of that. Yeah. Whereas I would be like, I would call up, um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna role play this, and I just want you to say to say no, thank you to me. Okay. Um, oh, hello. This. So would no, you thank be interested? Okay, fine. Yeah, no, sure, no worries. Sorry to bother you. Bye. <laughs> and I would just hang up, and I would be the worst. So oh. I learned that sales is not for me, and that is okay. Mm. It's not for anyone. <laughs> I think. Um, I think that's interesting, though the the whole the thing about money not being a motivator. Because yes, I, so my dad did sales, and this is just going off on a tangent here. This isn't like one of the things I learned from the jobs I did because I, I don't think I don't think I was ever really directly in sales. No. Um. It, although my dad was for many years. Yes. And the point he made to me was that if you believe that what you are selling to the person is actually going to make their lives better, yes. you know, if you believe in what you're, you're selling them, then you'll probably do what needs to be done and you'll come across as honest and, and sincere yeah. and the person will at least trust that you're telling them what you believe to be the truth, even yeah. if it's, you know. And, and I think that's the, that's the thing that I learned from him about sales is that don't, don't try and sell something you don't believe in because no. you'll, you'll have to perceive yourself every day as a liar. And I think my... my nobody likes that. No, and I think my understanding of it was if people wanted to advertise on the website, they would get in touch and say, hey, can we advertise on the website? 
Brilliant. <laughs> Surely they'll find us. Won't yeah. They? So <laughs> we have to tell people about it. So eventually, I was not good at that, um, yeah. and and I left. Okay, that, that's fair enough. I think. So they were uh... my first. They were my first two. They were kind of my first foray into work. If you mm. discount actual work experience I did at school age, and that's what I learned from that. To be fair, though, I do think that's a valuable lesson to learn. Is mm. is one of the things that were you know learning something that doesn't motivate you or isn't a driving force for you. Yeah, that's a, that's a big step to finding what is, isn't it? Absolutely, so I think that's pretty cool. I knew what I didn't like already. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so shall I, shall I go then? Absolutely. Because we were talking about me being a plumber. Uh, we've spoken about me being a plumber previously, but most of the lessons I've learned came from being a plumber, as in, in most of the valuable ones that I've got down here not, today. Not actually fitting showers and stuff. I, I didn't know the skills. I didn't <laughs> learn the skills of the plumber. No. <laughs> I, I sort of, uh, to be fair, that is one of the ones. I, I learned practical skills. I learned to use my hands because I was not the tradesman type. Well, I think anyway, I think someone just has to look at you. <laughs> So is the thing. I, if anyone has seen a picture of Tim, please back me up here. He does not look like a tradesman. I don't have the gait of a tradesman. He has do soft I? hands. Yeah. So I would go into a place and I'd say, "Oh, I'm a plumber." Yeah. And so many people would say, "Oh, you don't look like a plumber." <laughs> and I took that as a compliment because <laughs> you know I don't feel like one. I do. Not honest. <laughs> um, what do they expect you to do? Turn up with a tap on your head? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good point, actually. But well, I suppose they expected me to turn up with my quality plumbing shirts on yes. that my mum would get for us every you Christmas. You just went in your Batman t-shirt instead. Yeah. So, well, no, I did, we did actually have branded uh, workwear. Did, how, <laughs> many, how many people asked to see your dad? <laughs> well, this is the... Th- okay, so this is the thing I was going to say. Go on. Um, I, I, you know, I wasn't a young man. I wasn't like, you know, a teenager. I was... I think it was somewhere... I definitely was plumbing in in my 30s, right, you know, okay. from, from late 20s to early 30s, I think, mm. if I remember correctly. Um, but I would often get, like, the the old ladies um, <laughs> who, who we were, we'd do jobs for, mm. Dad would sort of settle up with them, and then they'd come over to me and they'd put, like, a couple of shiny new one-pound coins in my hand. <laughs> there you go, love, you get yourself a drink. Go buy You're yourself done. some sweets. Because they just perceived me <laughs> as, as the young apprentice, the, the young, you know, the young work experience kid or something. Amazing. You know? Well, nice. you, do, you do have a youthful face. So this probably... is it. They were like, so nice of you to help your dad out like this. Aren't you, aren't you a good lad? Aren't you a good lad? Um, but Which anyway. is interesting as well, though, because your dad, I know, I know we've spoken about your dad a few times now, but your dad wasn't a plumber all his life like you say he was sales and then he turned to plumbing quite later in life he he was he was originally trained as a plumber yeah when he was he was when he was a a teenager working um what do you call it um polytechnic i think it was i was trying to think of the old word for a place of learning um and he but then he went into sales fairly early on in his 20s because he was selling plumbing items i think i mean everyone's really tuned in to hear the history of my (laughs) my dad's career but But, my point was was that your dad um didn't start off as a plumber and kind of went to it later on in life and you didn't start off you it wasn't like there was a family business that you went into you did other things first no this is the thing the family business was very much started to so that we could both work together yeah but anyway the, the point I was going to make because uh, I haven't actually told you anything that I've learned from this <laughs> except not learned to plumb very well um I learned how to build a bit of rapport with people yeah because around this time the reason dad thought of doing this was because he'd, he'd reached a sort of pivotal point in his sales career where it was either move abroad to take the next promotion or do something different basically yeah. and he wanted to go back on the tools and he said you know what I think there is a there's a, a market for an honest family plumbing company. Yeah. And the reason he said this was because this was around the time when all those 
programs came on telly that were like rogue traders. Oh, like cowboy, cowboy traders. Yeah, and, and, and like they'd that. set up hidden cameras for for people that I were used ripping to off. Love those shows. Yeah, and this is the thing. I <laughs> see. I was thinking this is a terrible time to become a plumber. Nobody <laughs> trusts us at all. But Dad was like, "Well, no, that's a perfect opportunity, then, isn't it? Where yeah. if we if we are trustworthy, if we display that we are trustworthy from the word go, mm. then people will respond to that and they will refer us on and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So it was very much built on the idea that we would be a friendly family plumbing company because. Aww. I mean, I'm I'm the same as my dad. Someone talks to me, I'll talk to him back. You, you know, are the and complete I can, opposite of me. <laughs> I can just. <laughs> and I can, Someone talks to me, I run away. You run away, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but this is, you got to remember as well. There was still a fair amount of social anxiety going on with yeah. me, but. I knew that when I was, I, if I talked, I probably could hold a conversation. And yeah. the thing that I learned was that I was walking into people's houses yeah. and they weren't necessarily saying, oh, I'm so looking forward to getting that plumbing done. You know, they were like, <laughs> my, my water's cut out or yeah. there's, you know, I've got a leaky tap or, you know, I need the bathroom changed because it's falling a bit. Things like that. It wasn't necessarily things that they were, that were aspirational, that they were, they were going to be pleased with. They were just going to like, I've got to get this done. Yeah. And so for us to go in there... And rather than saying, oh, it's going to cost you, you know, and be like that, <laughs> to be able to connect with them. Yeah. And the number of clients we had that we would, you know, if, if they, if something went wrong for them in the future, I remember one um, Christmas Eve, I was, Aww. this is my good, my good deed for Christmas Eve. There was a, a lady that we used to do some work for. We put a bathroom in and she just called me and said, I've got no, uh, no hot water or something. I think there's nothing coming out of the tap. And what it was, the valve in the, the tank in the, I won't, I won't bore you no, with you've the plumbing already, details. No, you've lost me. You've already lost me. The valve in the tank in something the Something wasn't working. Something wasn't working, but it was a very quick job for me. It was literally arrive, do change it, it over in go 10 on. minutes and go home. Right. And, I, and, you know, I didn't charge her any money for that because yeah. that's the sort of... A plumber on Christmas Eve I know. didn't charge I, any I, I money. I felt very much like it was a Christmas miracle. You know, that was what I was <laughs> providing there. <laughs> but, you know, so things like that. And we and Did you I go learned, dressed as Santa? <laughs> I didn't. That's a, yeah, I could have done, couldn't Just I? Just for the hat. At least yeah, the hat. I think I was probably... Yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> but so the, what I learned was to build rapport with people, to connect yeah. with people and to talk with people. It helped me out getting over social anxiety. And it's helped me out in the in the ongoing years because what I do now, mm. everything that I do with clients is built on being able to generate some level of rapport yes. with them. Yeah. So it was probably one of the most valuable skills that I learned. And, you know, you might think plumbing is completely disassociated with therapy or doing any sort of um, any sort of remedial work yeah. but actually the ability to gain someone's trust and connect with them and care about their issue yeah. is absolutely Paramount, the most valuable transferable skill that I've learned you know that's amazing oh thank you that's very good yeah well, it wasn't a waste of uh, 10 years of my life no but I mean we are getting someone in to do the bathroom but yeah yeah, exactly. I'm not doing it. I, mean, I also learned don't go near plumbing if you can avoid it, Tim. It's like, you know. So, um, yeah. So that, that was the, the main thing I learned as a plumber. Um, do you want another one from me? Yeah, go for it. Yes. Okay, go on. Because um, I have quite a few on my next one. So you oh, just crack okay. on. Right. So, well, let me let me go through the thing. I'll go through my plumbing lessons. Okay. Then, so like, okay, right. Because there were quite a few. I've already said I, I developed practical skills, things like that. Yeah. Um, there's, okay, there's a couple of things. I think you disagree with this one. Right, so oh, this is going to be potentially contentious here. Okay. Divisive points. This is going to be our first podcast argument. It, well, who knows? Who well. knows? I don't. I don't think we're going to care enough about it as well. <laughs> if I'm honest, but um, yeah. I found that, so I would go into people's houses yeah. and they would be, occasionally they'd haggle on price. You know, you get people kind of <laughs> trying to knock you down on price. That's okay. I get that. Yeah. You know, it's a one-to-one in, in transaction. That's fine. Yeah. Um, 
but then and you go and you'd see their house and you'd be like oh yeah they, they clearly haven't got much money to renovate and things like that because there's things that that's are slightly, judgmental well I know that I do sound judgmental <laughs> there and if that's the lesson that you take from this listener yes people are judging you when they come into your house um no what I, what I mean is that you could clearly see okay this they're getting this done because they need to they don't, they don't yeah. have the money just to, to throw at this yeah, they, yeah. They're, they're having to get this done but then We'd go into their living room on the way through to the bathroom or something like that or to, mm. to, to settle up with them. And we'd see their entertainment system <laughs> um, where the television was the size of the wall. Oh, and wow. And where they had every games console that I'd ever heard of. And they, they had a state-of-the-art surround sound and things like that. Mm. And it taught me that what you value, mm. you will find the funds for. And the things you don't value, you probably won't. Yeah. yeah? And, and again... That probably is what I translate to my work with clients mm. is I feel that like if they value the change they want to make for themselves, they'll find the money. Yeah. Now, I know I, before you say anything, I know. You don't know what I'm going to say. I'm going to caveat this so that I don't get too much kickback from you here. Okay. Is that, yeah, there are times when we just have no money. We are literally have enough to eat mm. and that's it and barely that as well. Yeah. But I, I, what I found was that in my experience, yeah, the people that were you know you save money for certain things the things that you value. Mm -hmm. that's what I would say go on then go on no all I'm saying is is that one of us had to get get a job at 16 and support themselves and had zero money coming in and one of us was living with their parents in their 30s into their 40s and one of them um, isn't me excuse <laughs> Excuse me. I'm I just feel saying I we have, have been harshly represented. We have there. very different. Um, I, I we have very different. I mean, so one could say one of us was maybe you know was put in a situation and had to just scrimp and scrave and get by and steal bread like Aladdin, and one of us privileged. Wow. <laughs> Look, I do accept I have led a privileged upbringing. Can I just uh, just fact check you on that one? Though? <laughs> um, I didn't like live at my parents all the way through into my forties. I kept coming back to my parents <laughs> after various things went wrong. So all I know, all I know, is that I remember times when I went down to the to the shop to put money on my gas and electricity with literal pennies that I had found in pockets and on the floor, and I can remember acquiring I'm not going to say stealing because then they can't prosecute me but acquiring you've totally just suggested you stole it then packs of like super noodles and stuff from Sainsbury's because or, 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 uh, from a supermarket from some, <laughs> from some kind of supermarket because I had no money mm. I had no I had nothing I had mm. less than nothing and you know and I wasn't I wasn't spending my money on you know cigarettes and alcohol or whatever even though it would have been well yeah. within my yeah, right yeah. to do so because my life was so terrible but it wasn't as if someone came to me and said, okay, you can change your life, but you'll give me 500 quid. I would, I would laugh because I didn't even have five pounds, you well, know? Yeah, I, I get what you're saying there. Yeah. I, think, I don't think I'm, I'm talking about that. Because so another example mm. would be when I was at school, my best friend at my, I think it was junior school, mm. he was going away to Disneyland for a month. A month. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, you must be so rich. But I knew he wasn't rich. I knew that he didn't have, yeah. you know, fancy things and yeah. stuff like that. Um, but that was what his family valued, was their, yeah. their month-long holiday every year. I yeah. think I think you're talking about, you know, just the average person and not the orphan child on the poverty yeah, line. Exactly. <laughs> I think, I think yeah. That's... I think that's what, only when you say it that it makes me instantly go back to hmm. the time that I led. But what I have to remember, I suppose, is that, me being an orphan on the poverty line is not common. It's not normal, or you know, yeah, yeah, I know yeah. it is 
common and it happens far more often than people think and it happens far more regularly than people would care to want to think about but mm. i know when you're saying that you mean the yeah. average kind of well, family rather than someone who's left on their yeah, own yeah i guess what i'm talking about here in terms of what i learned yeah was that if i want to find out where my values lie see what you spend your money on see where i'm spending my money yeah what i'm saving is that for, why you I'm... spend money on me uh, it is actually ah, yeah. that's nice um oh that's a nice moment that was we should just quit there yeah the final point yeah so this uh, this week we had the option of uh, spending money on some new podcasting gear <laughs> or an arcade machine i'd like to point out i don't play the arcade machine so this was this is I, very I, much i seldom play them to be fair i just i just like the look of them in the <laughs> corner. um but so but this is the thing so you know you if you want to understand what's going to make you happy look at the things that you find yourself spending money on yeah and you could probably examine what the values are there so you know my i can tell you exactly that i've looked at the state of our recording gear and it's pretty good and we've got good audio yeah. sound and I, I say it's pretty good it's really it's really sort of budget stuff but it's it does the job hmm. whereas i know that certain things bring me joy and allow me to unwind and allow me to Absolutely. feel like i'm not constantly working you know or not constantly pushing and grinding hmm. and this is actually something that, that brings me joy so and I as think, i find as a quick side note i do realize that like if you or I want something that we consider to be expensive and it's something that, that we're just going to completely indulge on ourselves, mm. we both go to the other person yeah, almost do. for permission. <laughs> but it's not like, may I please buy this? It's not that. But we both kind of go, oh, I was, I was thinking about maybe getting this thing. And we kind of are hoping the other person, which we always do, will say, <laughs> well, get it then. You know, treat yourself. I mean, yes, you, know. You, you messaged me from upstairs the other day with a picture of a lounge fly backpack um, and just said, totally tempted by this. <laughs> and I know that means I'm going to buy it. So, <laughs> I'm just, just yeah. letting you know. So, anyway, carry on. All right, yeah, carry We're on. just talking about the stuff um, that we buy. That's true. When we, you know, it's been a long lockdown, people. Yeah, it's, it's been, been a long, long lockdown. lockdown. The things we've got. We haven't been able to leave the house. What do you want from me? I have happiness delivered instead. Now yeah. carry on. <laughs> we are going to do one on like coping strategies, aren't we, I think? Shopping. Shopping, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, right. Um, what else? Have I got? Say, the, I've got other things that I learned. Hmm. Um, things like, you know, you can't give everyone happy. This no. is my first interaction with actual customers. And, you know, yeah. you do your I best. Have something similar to that in my next what one. What is it? You do your best, but you're not going to make everyone happy. No. I, I learned that fairly quickly. And I think that was a valuable lesson to learn. But I always do try yeah. and make anyone that's, that's, uh, that I'm providing services for be as happy as possible. Because I think that's what you do. Yeah. Um, and I also learned, because I know my dad's a completely honest guy. I also learned that honest people can be interpreted in another way. You know, you can you can have people looking at you through the lens of judgment or like you're the bad guy. Yeah. Um, simply because they don't understand who you are. And to see someone as, as honest as the day is long, like my dad get treated like that at times, mm. it, it taught me that, okay, I don't, I don't have to judge myself on what other people think of me you know no. my, my intent is probably gonna gonna dictate where my my morality is yeah rather well, I than think, what I think you think are you are a good man you know you do that's that's pleasing not, to be fair I would I'll be worrying if you said anything not other. a perfect soldier but a good man oh you've quoted uh Professor Erskine from Captain America at me there. I have that, that's there's no higher compliment, no higher compliment. <laughs> um and the final thing I learned from plumbing uh, is a really random one um, <laughs> not necessarily relevant to this but I I got to know my dad is, is what I got from that and I think I, I should have put it in the other in the Cute. wisdom from my parents one but I I remember why we both started that plumbing company mm. my dad started it because he wanted to give me a career 
Like, it did Aww. not because he wanted to plumb or because he thought, but he, you know, my dad took barely anything, if anything at all, from yeah. that company in terms of wage. He just worked to give me a career. Mm. And I, you know, apologies to dad for them throwing that career away because it wasn't for me. Oh, don't but... worry, your parents are absolutely not listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I think I like to think that what I learned from that then yeah. propelled me on to what I do now. But, um, he he did it for me, and I did it. I, I had no desire to plumb at all. It wasn't like I thought maybe I'll be good at that. I knew I wasn't going to be good at it. I knew I wasn't going to enjoy it. Well, this is why your cousin now runs the family business. Who is an excellent plumber? He's a, I should Nick say. Nick is a very good plumber. Nick's amazing. He really is. I Hi, mean, Nick. proper proper. He earned the title quality plumbing. We just mm. we just came up with the title quality plumbing. Um, anyway, the thing I did it because I realised I didn't know my dad very well at that Aww. time in my life. And the thing that I found most appealing about the idea of working alongside him every day was that, you know what, by the end of that, for good or bad, better or worse, I'm going to know him loads better. I'm going to yeah. be able to connect with him. And we absolutely, absolutely did. you know. And, and that was the thing that I took from that was I, I do have fond memories of plumbing simply because it was um, in fun times with my dad. Not fun as in we had such a lot, but we, you know, <laughs> those, we have memories yeah. now that we share. And um, we occasionally, you'll know this when we're around seeing them, we'll have stories that, yeah. that we share from those times. And I like that. I don't think we had that many stories before that. That's lovely. Thank you. Um, okay, over to you then. So the one I would like to talk about now is um, I used to work at a, a Mexican restaurant um, and I just wanted an evening job. I was also, I'd like to point out at this point, working during the day at Claire's Accessories. Um, wow. I know. I was uh, Two jobs. Nice. I, I know. Do you know what? Not even that, right? I was doing, I was working at Claire's Accessories nine till five, let's say, five, six-ish. Then I was working at the restaurant seven till midnight. Then I'd go out. Like, wow. Out, out. Yeah. And then I'd out, out, out. <laughs> and then I'd get home at like three and I'd do it all again. And that would straight up kill me. Wow. Now, that would, that, honestly, That's it would amazing. be, I would be dead. Like, I could yeah. not handle that. Now, if I go out for dinner and we stay for dessert, I'm knackered. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. No, I was going to say would, what a fierce work ethic you had, but really half of that was partying. It would just end me now. Right. So <laughs> basically, I worked at a Mexican restaurant and I was just there as a waitress, just, just an ordinary waitress. Um, and, um, and I, I actually really enjoyed it because before this, one, jobs that I haven't mentioned because there was no point, but I used to work um, for admin at the council and I would do other admin jobs and I did a lot behind a desk. And what that taught me was I'm not good enough in an office environment. Mm. I needed to get out of the office. So I found this uh, waitressing job. And it's really funny, actually, because for somebody who isn't very keen on um, people, mm. uh, I chose to take a, a customer facing role. But I actually learned quite a lot from it. So I was there for a little while and I was a waitress and then I was promoted to supervisor and then I was promoted to assistant manager all in quite a short space of time. So I went from just being a waitress to basically like running the show when the manager wasn't there. Yeah, and I'd yeah. like to point out the manager was barely there. So it, I was <laughs> so I was always I was always running the show. And the things I learned from that mm. are because where I said earlier about how money is not a motivator for me. Yeah. What I learned was people work best when they feel valued and wanted. Yes. So I basically, I treated all of the, all of the, my employees in my team, if you will, as my friends. Mm. Don't get me wrong, not to the point where they could walk all over me, not to the point where I wasn't in charge. I was still, I was still in charge, but yeah. they, I considered them my friends. Yes. A couple of them even, one of them was my housemate. I got him the job. And brilliant. One of them was someone I'd known for years. I think I also got him the job. So I would have just, just employed all of my friends. And um, and what I found was that when people were working on my shift, yes. 
so much more got done. Like, right. And not because I was a taskmaster or anything like that. I absolutely wasn't, you know. Mm. I was very much like, oh, you need to take the phone call, go take the phone call. Oh, you want to go out for a pack, out for a pack. Like, I was yeah. very accommodating to everyone. But stuff got done on my shifts because I believe anyway, you know, people who may have worked under me will get in touch and be like, oh, no, actually, that's not it. But <laughs> I believe it's because they felt heard. They felt valued, you know. Yeah. People came to me with their problems about work and I would do my best to fix it for them. Yeah. People would feel supported, you know. Someone yeah. needed time off because someone had died. I made sure that they got all the time off they needed. Like, mm. I respected my staff and I expected the mm. respect back and I got it. And mm. and that's what I kind of learned. I think that's a, that's a great lesson <coughs> as well because we, we tend to think, don't we, we brought up thinking that it's the it's the, the slave driver, like you said, the taskmaster that, yeah. that gets the best out of people. You know, you see like that military model of somebody yes. shouting at people, getting more effort for them. And, and we maybe that's how we've been brought up as well. Maybe parents shouted at us to get us to do things. Yeah. But, it's exactly the opposite is true isn't it when you when you enjoy what you're doing mm -hmm. and when you feel like what you're doing is valued you start to value what you're doing exactly and you start to take pride in it and and I felt you know from the belief I put in in the team and mm. I felt their belief in me so I then in turn started to believe in myself more mm. I believed I could lead because you know when I got this that job and I was just a waitress I say just being a waitress is bloody hard work yeah. but when I was a waitress I didn't think I could be put in charge of anything. You know, I didn't mm. think, you know, I'd gone from working in a call centre, just working as a faceless data entry admin. You know, yeah. I'd done all of that. I didn't think that I could actually be listened to, if yeah. that makes sense. So then when I was given this supervision role, I remember getting, I remember panicking. I remember thinking, oh no, I can't, I can't lead. No one will listen to me. But it it taught me that I can lead, yeah. that I can be yeah. a leader, that I can be someone that people listen to. Yeah. And that has been really, really important for me and my personal mm. growth over the years, you know? Yeah, it's amazing. I, you know, I see a lot of people who are struggling to take the next step because they've no experience of, of taking that step previously. Yeah. You know, we talk about going outside the comfort zone, don't we? You know? Yes. And it's, we don't know what we can achieve until we're so we asked try. to try and do it. You Absolutely. Know? And, and, and I think that sometimes more people should... <clears throat> more of us more of the time should do that thing of saying right I, I don't know how I'm going to do that I don't know if I can do that but I'm I'm going to be brave enough to find out yes and my next my next two points that I learn in this job actually go hand in hand mm. so <laughs> and you'll see what I mean so one of the things I learned was to stand up for myself now don't get me wrong I've never been the person to just lay back and just if I'm not happy in a situation just mm. take it you know that very much about me mm -hmm. but um I I still to this day I don't like confrontation I yeah. don't like arguing with people. I don't yeah. like um, having having arguments. I just don't like doing it. Um, so, but I learned how to stand up for myself. Point one, yeah. because point two, the customer is not always right. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And, and and I, you know, we get talked to. If anyone listening to this has worked in hospitality, retail anything like that you mm. will always hear the customer is always right they're not sometimes yeah. they're just an arsehole yeah 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 sometimes they're just trying to scam you sometimes they're just trying to get what they want and yeah. and you have to make the call whether you're gonna stand up for it and mm. say no or like sometimes is our philosophy just to to deal with the thing to make them go away yeah 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 you know? i get what you're saying and and so you have to decide basically what i kind of think this taught me was what battles to choose you mm. know how to pick your battles how to choose where to put your energy whether you're gonna you're gonna confront the thing or you're gonna just say you're gonna rise above the thing yeah you know and that this job taught me that you know there are so many times that that people um would come in and like the amount of people you had like trying to not pay for their 
food right was ridiculous and there were a couple of times is that a thing, oh then? it's massively a thing yeah. massively a thing so i've witnessed someone go into their bag take out some like dirt or whatever no. and sprinkle it over the end of their plate to say oh this was dirty oh but you ate it though so i'm kind of another. Wow. and you know and it's it's things like that it's it's knowing where to pick your battles like one of the things i can really mm. remember was um one of my staff members uh, there were some because all of my staff members were quite young. I was quite young, you know. I was what was I twenty three, twenty four, managing half, half managing a restaurant, you know, and yeah. and everyone was younger than me pretty yeah. much. And I remember one of my staff members. There were people in from their college, I think, or university. I can't remember which. And they they didn't like my staff member, and they were just in there to mm. to give them shit basically. Yeah. And and I found him I found him quite upset because of this upstairs because like on the very wow. third floor was where we kept the desserts and everything, and they had purposely like, you know, gone on to when his shift was and knowing that he he has to be, talk to them and be nice to them and all this and that and it was just it was so just bullying, me basically bullying and and I made the call yeah I remember this and I said um, before they'd ordered I was like I'd I'd like you to leave the restaurant please mm. and. Um, and they they tried to start on me saying they had a right to be there, and I basically was like, yeah. And, and as and as the uh, the assistant manager, um, I have the right to ask you to leave. Yeah. And um and and I did, and and my staff member felt better for it, and it was just yeah yeah. It was one of those things where I could have just taken the table myself. Yeah. yeah. Um, I could have, but I chose to to stand up for what I believed in. Yes. And I think that was one that. of the things that that the job taught me. Mm. Um, and then the last thing. That, um, that I'm going to say about this job, what it taught me, was um, how to walk away when you're not being valued. Oh, so wow. as much as I, I believe people work well when they're, they're feeling valued and wanted, that was the um, that was a situation I tried to cultivate for my staff members. Mm. But then when I wasn't receiving the same respect from the people higher up than me, yeah. because basically, if we remember, I was a waitress, then a supervisor, then assistant manager. Mm. And I was assistant manager for quite a long time. And as I say, the manager was barely in. And then... It was only like months into it, I realized, oh, like my pay had never gone up from mm. just from my waitress pay. Mm. So I had all this responsibility, all of this stuff mm. that was going on, but wasn't getting um, paid for it mm. and wasn't getting, um, you know, mm. the the value for it. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and then when I finally, you know, brought this up and said I'm worth more than yeah. what I'm currently being paid, um, the, the person who owned it basically said, um, Oh well, I'll find another. I'll find another manager, and you can just go back to being a waitress then. Mm. And I was like, you know, yeah. God damn it, I've turned this place around, you know. Yeah. And I felt very sort of. I was like, oh okay, yeah. They don't care about all the work I've put in. Yeah, yeah. And and I I had to walk. I walked away, and I walked yeah, yeah. away from my team and the people that I'd really got to know and got to love over that mm. time because I wasn't getting the same value from the people higher up that I was giving to uh, I mean, This is important as well, people valuing themselves. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a lesson that hopefully we all learn at some point, that we all realise is that nobody's going to value us if we don't value ourselves. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, I see this all the time. It comes back to what I was talking about, you know, where we um, where, where we sort of invest time and money in what, what we value. Yeah. And do we invest it in ourselves then? You know, because yeah. there's, there's this thing, isn't there? This We make decisions for various reasons. Uh, but a lot of people are making decisions in their life, and we're all we're all guilty of it at times through fear yes. of the alternative to, to what we decide to do. So you could easily have stayed there, yeah. unhappy with with how you were being treated, yeah. through fear of then having no job and being left out exactly. there in, in the cold on your own. And and I think it's you know whatever decision we're making, 
we have to if we're if we're governed by fear we're probably making the wrong decision. Completely. Uh, it's, it's one of those things that I sort of live by myself. That's something that... I still struggle with. You know, you tell me mm. when, I, when I've come to you with decisions about things and, and mm. you've said, is, are you doing it because you're scared? And I'm like, yes. So it's not, <laughs> it's not yeah. like, you know, it's yeah, not... Yeah. Uh, the number of times we, we just, we go, we choose a certain path because we fear what, it would, what would happen if we took the other one. And this could be all sorts of things. What will people think? What will they say? Yeah. What will happen if I do this? Yeah. And and as a result, we stay in this sort of comfortable chaos. You know, the 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 familiarity that we don't like, but at least we know it. Yes. And, and we don't have to be challenged by the unknown. And people get stuck in relationships like that. People yep. get stuck in in all kinds of situations because. They're like, well, you know, I'm I'm not happy, but I don't know what the alternative is. Yeah, and it's like the the old story of how to boil a frog. You know, if you if you put a frog in boiling water, it will instantly jump out. If you put it in lukewarm water and then slowly raise the temperature to boiling point, it will literally stay there until it dies. Mm. And it's so many times we find ourselves in a situation that if we were outside of it, we wouldn't be jumping in that water. Yeah. All that's happened is we've felt kind of imprisoned by our, our little fears and our concerns and our worries about the unknown. And we just end up, you know, in an existence that is the equivalent of just sitting in boiling water. And then the time passes and you don't realise just how long you've been in it as well. I think that's why, I mean, me personally, as soon as a situation or something doesn't feel right to me, I'm out. You know, I I, yeah, I value myself now yeah. more than that. And I wonder if that's something that I learned from that job. I think it sounds like it probably is. Mm. Okay, shall I go with my next one then? Yes. Right, okay, so I don't know if I've mentioned this to you, but I used to be in a band. Yeah, once or twice, maybe? Just maybe a once or twice, times. maybe. Yeah, I, I didn't know if I mentioned it or not. Um, but yeah, so I, many years I was I performed music in a band, and I think there were quite a few things I learnt from doing that. Playing guitar? Um, yeah, badly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, singing, badly. That, all of those <laughs> No, courses. I've heard your stuff. You're not, you're not bad. Oh, that's very, that's very nice of you to say. I mean, so. you're not classically trained like my good self, but <laughs> you're not bad. I, I, yeah, we wouldn't call it singing, though, would we? We'd, <laughs> Talk we'd, singing. Exactly, yeah. Um, but anyway, apart from the practical musical skills that I picked up, mm-hmm. um, limited musical skills that I picked up, um, there were just some things about the whole mechanics of being in a band that some helped, some didn't. But the things I felt I learned, the first one was, to, when I was plumbing, by the way, yeah. I used to think I was... Um, I used to think I was a lazy person, okay? <laughs> right. And, and to be fair, I think a lot of people around me thought I was a lazy person as well. Um, my dad did a bit. And then I'd stop. Have yeah. a cup of tea, do that, a bit. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> my, I used to say to my dad, oh, I don't work as quick as you. I can't get the things done as quick as you. And he said, you work just as quick as me, but you'll do something, then you'll stop, have a look around, <laughs> have a think about it, maybe make a cup of tea. It's <laughs> exactly what you do now. You'll come into my office and you'll be like, what are you doing? I'll be I, like, go back to your office, go do some bits. I do not race from task to task. That's, that's <laughs> fair to say. But, um, but I used to think I'm, I'm just a lazy person. That's what, and, and I hear people all the time saying, oh, I'm lazy, though, I'm lazy. Mm. And I don't actually think lazy is a thing. And being in a band taught me this. Yeah. Because when I care about something, when I have a passion for it, I have infinite energy and, and I'm an absolute workaholic at the things that I love and the mm. things that I want to build and the things that I'm creating. It's just that plumbing wasn't my thing. No, well, we put our energy into the things we want to do, didn't we? Well, exactly. It seems to be a common theme with this one, doesn't it? But to, to realise that actually, you know, I would, I would lose myself for, you know, 20 hours at a time yeah. writing and recording a song or prepping something for what we were going to, for the performance we were going to do. Yeah. And I realised, well, actually, I, I actually do have that energy and that drive. People that say, I think I'm lazy, just haven't found the thing that fires them up yet. Yeah. Hasn't found their passion. You know? Well, I used to, you know, I know it's slightly different, but I used to think that I I didn't like 
exercise. Mm. Turns out I love exercise, yeah. but on my terms. You know, yeah. like I love doing aerial and I love, I love lifting weights, but you will never see me running. Like yeah. if I'm running, something is desperately wrong. Yeah. Like follow me because I'm running away from something. You yeah. know, it's that kind well, of... We, we've got friends that are PTs and they have to deal with this all the time. People yeah. not enjoying the exercises that they're given. So they find them different exercises. Exactly. Find the things they can enjoy doing. Mm. Um, and I think that it, with so many things, you know, it's like you saying, you discovered money isn't a motivator. Yes. You know, and I think people assume the things that are going to make them money should motivate them don't get me wrong if someone offered me like a million pounds to to do something really menial like like that would be a motivator for me <laughs> but you know three pounds 75 an hour or whatever it was with some commission it's not not the one well maybe what we're saying then is it's not the money it's the the change of life that would be the motivator there because yeah. that's when it's a life-changing amount of money yeah you know? it's like those people <laughs> when they go to do the lottery uh, and they don't do the lottery until it's a rollover <laughs> if they're like 10 million mm, i'll not bother I'll 15 million ah, now we're ah. talking that's worth a pound of anyone's money i used to do the lottery oh, yeah. yeah and then i stopped and i remember for a little while having proper anxiety that my six numbers would come up you had regular numbers yeah that's a not don't do it don't do it because you have to keep doing it then just in case those that, numbers come every up. time every time the, I, I never check the lottery numbers now because i know yeah. there'll be that one time it will be my numbers, and I haven't done it in years. And I'll feel like there was there should be someone I could complain to. <laughs> you should be able to show them an old ticket. Yeah, dear Mister Camelot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, that that was that was the thing. One of the things I learned. The other thing I learned. This is a really random one. I've got to mm. be honest, right? Um, we were our band was okay. Yeah, we we <laughs> the general consensus amongst the the bands that we did gigs with on the scene, as it were, yes. the scene it was called. I believe. Yes. Um, they that we were we were a good we were very good live we represented what we we had on record pretty well and we had quite an, an you know exciting show probably weren't going to get much further but, but yeah that was the general <laughs> consensus yeah what a shame they will never be famous <laughs> um, but the point being that we would see other bands getting the you know you, you used to see your bands touring with other bands yeah and, yeah and we were always after that big tour support with yes. uh, with a known band yeah, like, yeah like the McFly busted era exactly just exactly to bring that. it back into something that you like, have a yes. on. yeah yeah um and we never got them and and i always wondered why when we were we were probably positioned to get them and then it's only later on i realized that the people that did get them were the people that were hanging out with those bands that they yeah. would go to their gigs they would hang they would be you know in in the bars with them chatting and and they would get to know them as friends and i guess what i learned was the value of, of networking it's if, not what you know Exactly. Who you know. And I'm not I don't I'm not saying that as oh we were hard done by we should have been given more. What I mean is that it isn't just you produce what you do. You you know, you you produce the product or you create the thing. Yeah. It's about how you integrate yourself into the mechanisms of, of the people that are making those decisions. Yes, for you. to make sure that you're you know, you're the person in front of them. Yeah, and it's like when you talk about running a business your best ref- word of mouth is your best marketing yeah uh, people that well this is why the people at the building directory website didn't want to buy adverts because precisely they all got everything from uh, yellow pages and word of mouth yeah exactly well we you know we we like the human connection don't we and i think some I, of us do i didn't i didn't understand that I didn't, I didn't have any any concept of that and i say i learned it when i was i was doing perform music i probably actually learned it when I started to do what I do now and I started networking yeah and I knew I wanted to network because I could see that was the gap in what we did when we were performing music but 
it wasn't until then that I realised, oh my God, this is, this is... It's so important. Yeah, yeah. It, it's the whole story, People will much rather sort of refer to somebody than yeah. just a random business. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, that whole thing about if you do something that's worth doing, then, then tell people about it. But you, they don't just want you ringing them up and telling them about it. No. You know? They want to talk to you. They want to get to know you. And then they might say, so tell me about what you do. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? And, and it's a much more valuable conversation if they've instigated it. Oh, and I, I think, just think, if you'd have learned that networking, if you'd learn it in time. I would have been so famous. We'd have, got, <laughs> we'd have, we'd have been the, you know, this is that the difference between us and someone like, you know, Kings of Leon, REM, something Obviously, like that. Yeah. That's, that's the only difference, yeah. there, I think. But. <laughs> Um, what else did you learn? Clearly, I had more to learn. <laughs> um, okay, the, the final thing I learned was that what ultimately frustrated me about the music business was we were constantly waiting for somebody to hand us the, yes. the ticket, the, yeah. the golden ticket, the approval thing. No one's going to sign these days. So. There's a, yeah, and so we both have that story, don't yeah. we, about music uh, managers and labels saying, oh, well, no, no one's really signing anyone these days it's like what about them what about them what about and this thing i remember i had no ambition music beyond getting signed Mm. that's actually the start of the story it's not the end of it you know but that was we're going to get signed one day we're going to get signed and it was like what's going to happen then (laughs) what are you going to do with that you know it's also it's when you hit that point that people then start banding around the terms like overnight success Oh, and after it's all like, the years you've put into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I've had that. Well, from from your glamorous music career mm-hmm. um, to my not so glamorous. So uh, one of my last jobs that I had before becoming self-employed um, was I actually worked at Build-A-Bear. Wow. I know. Um, and do you know what? Build-A-Bear. I, it's, it's, I, love, soft, I love soft toys. So uh, why wouldn't I get a job at Build-A-Bear? I, I can think got of a, a few hundred reasons. <laughs> I actually got the job because I bought so many of the bears and then I just found out that they were hiring. And fun fact, so when I was working at the, um, this is kind of how I got the job as well, when I was working at the Mexican restaurant, a guy that I worked with there, his um, partner at the time mm. Managed Builder Bear. Oh wow! So it was all very small world. It was all very interconnected. Um, so I, I got a job at Builder Bear, and it's funny because for those of you who sort of know me or know of me on the internet, you might know I'm not overly fond of children. <laughs> so why on earth would I get a job a job in a place? And I used to say that my job was amazing. Um, except for the customers. <laughs> Is it because you thought all the customers were like adults like yourself buying yeah. their soft toys? Do you know what? And during the week they were, and it was lovely. Um, <laughs> so what I learned to build about, other than how to stuff and sew up a bear in record time, um, was that having fun when you work is something that is so important to me. Yeah. Where I was, where I, we, we discovered that money is not a motivator to me, but feeling valued is. Having fun mm. is definitely a motivator. And at build bear we had... A ton of fun. Like I, I have such good memories from working at that place. I have a lot of laughs. I have a lot of just good times. I had a really great team that I worked with, and and just I just really enjoyed it. And I had fun. I got to play around every day, and I mm. got to you know. And I even I took a lot of the kids' parties, which I know for someone like me, you'd be confused as to why. But I actually really enjoyed it because I could just I could just play. Yeah, I could just play, and and the kids either played with me or they didn't. I didn't care. Like it nice. was join in or sit over there. Like I'm not. Yeah. But I really really liked it. And and the other thing I learned as well is people will love you for who you are. Mm. So I used to feel like in all of my other jobs, I used to feel like I had to almost not hide who I was but I certainly had to tone down the weird when I was working at the council offices you know I wasn't I couldn't be me I couldn't be just unapologetically 
my myself. I imagine the version of you that would work at the council offices was a different version of you than would work at Build a Bit. Exactly, and this is what I mean by wisdom from our past selves, because mm. past Brit in the office is not past Brit who worked at Build a Bit, you no. know. And and I learned that the people around me they loved me for for the the weird nerdy ridiculous human being that i am mm. rather than you know the sanitized polite <laughs> answering the phone mm. office person you yeah, know so yeah. so and and i think that's a really really great lesson that i learned from that that i didn't have to water myself down mm. you know all my life i've been told by people that i'm i'm too much you know mm. that that i'm too loud or i talk too much or i'm too weird or i'm too this i'm too that and i'm like no i just don't think you 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 can handle it you know mm. it's not a fault on me do you know what i mean if well, if someone we don't you know not everyone is going to like us not everyone's no. going to accept us for who we are but a lot of people don't get to find that out because they do sanitize themselves they mm. censor their thoughts they censor their 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 actions and i don't mean everyone should go around th saying everything they think to the point of offending people. <laughs> no, but that's what, what TikTok is, is for. <laughs> but we shouldn't be censoring ourselves to the point where we just fit in with the crowd that we've been put yes, with. Yes, absolutely. We, we should find the crowd that appreciate us. And it's like, that's probably why you enjoy being at Builder Bear more than the council <laughs> offices, because you didn't have to put any energy into being a version of yourself no. that wasn't natural. No, I didn't have to hide. I didn't have to hide anything. I just had to mind my language when the kids were in the shop. I yeah. could do that. <laughs> that was all right. Just about. <laughs> just about, just about. And then the last thing I learned was that um, by the time I worked at Build-A-Bear, I was a little bit older from when I worked uh, two jobs and was going on nights out. And mm. I realised very quickly um, that I couldn't handle my drink and late nights uh, as well as I could. So I used to be able to just stroll straight back into uh, my previous job after being out till 3am. Um, and my time at Build-A-Bear told me otherwise. Well, the kids don't want a hungover uh, <laughs> shop assistant. Do you know what? Once, um, once I remember going into work and my... <laughs> my manager at the time who's still a good friend of mine Susie but I'm not sure if she'd be listening to this but Susie took one look at me and she was like are you still drunk <laughs> and I said to her I honestly don't know and she wow. went go home <laughs> I feel that should be a minimum requirement you should be able to confirm yeah. categorically you're not, not drunk. Still drunk yeah <laughs> and I just and I went home and I slept it off but I didn't <laughs> I didn't make a habit of that I didn't make a habit of that but it was just I remember that one time and I remember thinking I'm older now than I was when I worked two oh, jobs and was that out. Moment where Do you know what's even worse? Work. Working at Builder Bear was like what, 11, 12 years ago now? Oh no, it probably wasn't that long ago. I actually don't know how long ago it was. Mm. 2009, 2010, I think. So actually, yeah, maybe 10 years ago. But anyway, mm. um, I can handle late nights even less than that now. Mm. So that was just a precursor. Now I sniff a glass of wine and I get heartburn. <laughs> that's where we are. So that's what I learned. I learned that having fun when you work is important and people you will find people who love you for who you are and um, yeah, to gravitate absolutely. towards those people and to gravitate away from the people who don't see you for your worth. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You don't have to, you don't have to be a version of you that you're not comfortable with because no. there's seven and a half billion people on the planet. Yeah. And if you be you, someone's going to love you. You will find the people who think you're awesome. Exactly. And I hope we are proof of that. Exactly. That we're together. Um, you're looking at me as if, how about one more from you, Tim? Yeah. Okay. And then I have one very brief thing to say when you are done. Okay. Um, I, I'm looking at my list here and I'm realising I didn't. I don't think I actually made the point I wanted to make about um, being in the music industry and, and waiting for the for the ticket from other people. Because what I learned from being there yeah. was that I want to do something where I'm not dependent on somebody else opening the door for me. Yes, you I want to open to, your I own damn door. Yeah, I wanted to have <laughs> autonomy over what I do. And I think that's where I developed the idea of... Um, 
I don't know, creating something that that wasn't just if you think I'm good enough, then that will mean I can make a career yeah. out of this. Yeah, and and I think that that kind of has, has stayed with me. I think that's a that's a cumulative effect of a lot of things that I've done. Hmm. When I was very young, uh, like when I was sixteen, I had my first job was checking lorries in <laughs> on the motorway, which I find bizarre that that was a job. Well, back in the day when they were building the M20. Oh, yeah, I mean, and anyone that's in the southeast of England will probably know the M20. Um, it seems like it's been there forever, but I can assure <laughs> you it wasn't. Um, and I, I just got a summer job just checking. Literally, all I did, they would, the lorries would pull up. I would open the back of the lorry. They'd tip all of the, the various hardcore or whatever it was they had onto the floor. I'd close the back of the lorry. I'd get them to sign the ticket. That was that it. That was it. And I had what to What happened do... to the hardcore that was on the floor? Was it just left Well, then, it, then it, the people that were laying the motorway would use it to, oh, to okay, lay the motorway. It wasn't I just, just like... I just leaving it there and walking <laughs> yeah. away. Okay. Dump your rubbish here and I'll validate <laughs> That's you. fine. No, that was... And so... but And I did that about 30 times a day. But the, that's an eight-hour day. Yeah. And it's just me standing around, punctuated with a lorry arriving now and again. <laughs> yeah. That was all I did. That yeah. sounds thrilling. It was absolutely mind-numbing. And it was the thing that made me think, I don't think I'm cut out for just being employed um, yeah. because it didn't resonate with me. And also, it was the thing, the thing that I probably took away from that. Mm. I wanted to buy a drum machine and a four-track recorder. This was, this was predating, right at the very start of I'm my I'm not music. even sure I know what they are. Well, a drum machine is a machine that makes drum sounds. Oh, okay, I mean, fine. That, the clue's in the name. No, there, but I meant the, the four-track. The four-track. It's just a way of recording... Um, like songs and stuff really and I wanted to start recording my own songs so this right. I, so it was very early days of my music I didn't have a band or anything I you have just, not done this in chronological order I've done it in reverse chronological, reverse chronological order actually yes. yeah. um, I've, I've sort of taken us back to the origin <laughs> um, it's like the episode of ER probably don't know it. no I've not seen anyway it. Um, the thing that I realised was that if I want something yeah rather than oh I've got a certain amount of money coming in and I'll just save you know, I'll deprive myself of something to be able to buy this thing I want. It was like, right, I'll get a job, I'll earn the money, yeah. and I'll spend it on that. And it was, and I remember when my parents, when I was younger, if we wanted something, they wanted to get us a special Christmas present or we a holiday, we'd kind of be saving. Hmm. We'd, we'd go without this or that just yeah. to be able to get this thing that we wanted. Um, and I, I didn't, I don't think I ever liked that idea. And this is why, and this is coming back to the point about, not relying on others for my path. Yes. I'm going to work out a way of making more money if I want something more. Yeah. Yeah. And and that tends to have always been my attitude. The, the self-employed model of I want to be in charge of my path. So I didn't want to be employed by somebody nope. simply working for a raise or a promotion. I didn't want to have other people's approval deciding whether I was accepted onto this job or into this role or not. You're also not very good at other people telling you what to do either. I don't think I am, if I'm honest. No. But I think it was it was motivated by wanting to have autonomy over my journey yeah. and my path. And the, you being of, in charge of you and your own happiness. Exactly. All of that stuff has just added up over the years. Mm. And apart from that motorway job, I believe, unless I'm mistaken, I think that was the one time I've been employed with a pay slip. Yeah. Rather than I'm self-employed or, or I'm, you know, I'm earning, creating things like that. Yeah. Um. So, and I think that really it you obviously learned, you learned that early on. You learned that early on. It impacted upon me. I think. Yeah. That's that's really really good. I I wish I'd learned that early on because, as I say, I was in and out of jobs, and mm. the the longest I've actually gone is is just doing my own stuff. 
doing, yeah. you know, doing one. Yeah. And that kind of leads me really nicely to the last point I want to make. So after I worked at Build-A-Bear, um, I was, you know, I feel I was getting old, still 10 years ago. Um, but I wanted, I wanted my weekends back and I wanted my evenings back because when it was mm. like Christmas and when it was stuff like that, we'd, we'd work until really late. And I just yeah. wanted a bit more of a solid nine to five, Monday to Friday kind of gig, even though I knew I knew I didn't work well in an office environment, yeah. but I kind of needed the break. Like by this point, I'd spent years on my feet working in hospitality, working in retail, and I just, I needed something different. Mm. That's the thing with me. That's what I've noticed. It's not so much that I get bored easily. It's not, it's not boredom. It's that I crave something new. You know, and I think, yeah. you know, it's one of the reasons why this past year of uh, lockdown 2020 into 2021 has been really hard for me because mm. it's just been the monotony of the same thing every day because yeah. all of the stuff that we enjoy doing is is off the table. But that's that's a different story. Um, But the last job I ever had mm. before um embarking on my self-employed journey all those years ago was I worked for admin um, as a, an admin assistant in um, like a service department for a watch a luxury watch retailer okay so my job was basically people who'd bought watches from us if they'd stopped working in the warranty time they would get in contact with me and they say oh the watch has stopped working and I would uh, schedule the repair mm-hmm. wasn't you know wasn't the most interesting thing but things I learned from that it was around this time that, I mean, my mental health had gone up and down all throughout this time, mm. all from the double glazing call center. But I know that for the entirety of it, I kept it quiet. I kept it under wraps. I didn't tell anyone. People who knew me at the time would have had no idea what I was going through because I just, I didn't tell anyone. And I was too scared to tell anyone yeah. that I worked with or worked for in case they looked at me differently. Because I'll, I'll be honest, you know, and, and people who are my age and, and older may realise this, but 10, 11 years ago, mental health was seen differently. It, yeah, it was. It wasn't, you know, we, we talk about, you know, let's end the stigma. Let's talk about it. We can talk about it so much more now yeah. than we have ever been able to. Yeah, there wasn't the awareness of it. There think. really wasn't. Yeah. And and but when I was working for this this watch company, I had reached a point and I don't I don't even know what triggered it. I'm not I'm not sure, but I was not okay. Mm. Like I was I was really not okay. And to the point where I couldn't hide it anymore. Mm. And my supervisor, um, a lovely guy that that I worked under, basically, he was the manager of the service department. I was like, I think he'll, I think he'll be okay with it. I think he'll understand. And I kind of asked to speak to him and I just told him everything. And I was really worried that like I was going to lose my job or Mm. that I was going to, I don't know. I don't know. I was just really scared, but he was so cool about it. Um, Don't get me wrong. It was very much of the understanding that I told him and nobody else. It was very, I mean, it was kind of an unspoken understanding that Mm. I didn't make my struggles public right um because this was around the time when i had tried to take my own life you know so i needed to tell like i wasn't in for a few days because i was i was doing that and mm. i needed to talk to someone and even though it wasn't as uh accepted to just kind of to be known mm. he was really really good about it and yeah. that kind of taught me that having someone listen to your mental health concerns yeah. is so important because I felt I felt like a weight had been lifted. I wow. felt for like, you know, for weeks that there was just this dark cloud, this heavy rock that was on me because I couldn't concentrate at my desk and I couldn't. And once I'd kind of told my my boss, yeah. look, this is what's going on. I I found that 
my productivity went up. I found that my work was yeah. better. I found that I was a lot calmer. I felt that, mm. you know, it was just because I remember once it was before I told him and I came in and my desk was sort of just next to his pretty much. And I came in one day and I turned my computer on and I took my coat off and I burst into tears at my desk. Mm. I just burst into tears. And he kind of looked at me and he went, come on, break room, let's go. Let's just... <laughs> and then, uh, and he was like, right, what's going on? He was just so, he was so kind. And I will always remember him for that. And yeah. I will always be thankful to him for yeah. that. So having someone listen to your mental health concerns, even in, even in a work environment or just in your personal life yeah. is so important. Having someone that you can, that you can talk to. So that I found was I really, that's a, yeah, that's a great place. That, yeah. That was, you know, and, and then, and then just the, the very last thing that I learned there, cause that was the last job I had before I, I quit and became self-employed. Yeah. Um, and that job taught me really that um, having the courage to follow your dreams and leave the safe option is yeah. always available to you. You yeah, know, I remember, I remember I walked out of that office, you know, when we, we spoke about grief in yeah. last week's podcast and I spoke about how walking away from situations, even though they weren't bad for you can still be very emotional. Mm. I remember as I left with all my stuff and I left that job, I mm. cried because even though I knew I was taking the leap into something that was going to might potentially be really, really good for me and turns out, you know, 12 years down the line, it has been, Yeah, it was still scary and it was still, you know, and it took a lot of courage and, and the people there were all very supportive and they all ordered cakes from me at the start. And, yeah. and, you know, it was just, it was great. So whilst the actual job, I mean, I learned nothing about watches. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't tell you anything about watches, but the things that, on a human level that I learned yeah. from that job were very important to me and will stay with me for the rest of my life. I think that's amazing. I think that's absolutely awesome. I think it's really worth making the point as well that we're not always moving on because we're dissatisfied. Yes. We're moving on because, you know, what we there might be more for us. There might be more that we want to do or more that we want to achieve. And it's, again, not allowing fear to mm. restrict us. I think that's that's awesome. I think that's a, that's a bit of a theme, actually, what yeah. we talked about in here, which, yeah. is, which wasn't intentional. No. But I like that as a message, as a takeaway. You know? And having the courage just to just to know that everything will be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. The end. Nice. <laughs> One day we'll do a podcast and we won't have film quotes in it. No, so. probably not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's awesome. Thanks so much for that, Britt. I've loved hearing yes. all that stuff. Yeah, no, I've really enjoyed it as well. Thank you so much for listening, guys. As always, we really, really appreciate your love and support on the podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please come let us know. You can find us on Instagram. I'm Britt Marie Box, and Tim is at Tim Box Mind Coach. Um, just, yeah, come have a chat with us. Tell us what you think. Share the podcast to people you think might get something positive from it. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you on the next one. And keep thinking outside the box. Bye guys. Bye bye.